Welcome to the Winsome Conviction Podcast. My name is Tim Yohoff. I'm a professor of communication here at Biola University in La Mirada, California. And I'm joined with, by my co-host, who's also the co-director of the Winston Conviction Project, Dr. Rick Langer. Rick. Tim, thanks. Uh, looking forward to what we get to talk about today. This is kind of fun. I, as Tim mentioned, I'm also a co-director with him of the Winston Conviction Project, and I'm also a biblical studies and theology professor here in the uh, Bible Department, and I'm also the director of the Office of Faith and Learning. So we spend a lot of time thinking about important, different, challenging issues, and the Winston Conviction Project we've been going at for about two and a half years, and it was when originally identified and we had funders who said we'd like to do this. It was uh, planned to be a five-year project. We're thinking we may well continue it, but we thought at the very least this would be a good time to just stop and do a little bit of thinking, kind of a mid, mid-course evaluation or reflection on things that we have done that we have uh, found valuable, kind of lessons learned or things like that. So that's what we wanted to talk about today. And here's an interesting way to think about it. If you were to ask me, Rick, what have you learned in the last two and a half years about helping people talk face-to-face without going toe-to-toe, uh, what, would, what would you say? And uh, the first thing I would say is that that is really the challenge, is we really do want people to talk face-to-face, and we are the winsome conviction project. This isn't the kumbaya project, or this isn't we'll all smile and act like there's no differences. So we really do want to have people talking face-to-face about things that are really important. But the problem is that when we talk about things that we care about, matters of moral conviction, things that we view as absolutes, we have a tendency for it to go from a face-to-face conversation to a toe-to-toe conflict. Um, And it may or may not be shouting. There's many of us who do the quiet, slow, angry burn as opposed to the shouting burn. But the feeling in all cases is that rising feeling of, of animosity. So the key question is, how do you talk about what matters without turning it into one of these toe-to-toe kind of conversations. So that's, that's wow. one of the big goals, I think, as I, as I kind of look back in retrospect, saying, yeah, this is kind of what we've ended up feeling like we spent a lot of time trying to do for people. Well, and what's fun about this is we've not shared these lessons with each other, our, our observations. So I'm hearing this in real time. And I love your distinction that we are not uh, uniformity at any cost. We do believe that communities really do disagree with each other. Christians have very differing biblical convictions, and we're not denying that. But we're asking, in spite of our political, social, theological differences, can we at least talk to each other in a way that's productive uh, and just doesn't break apart? Okay, here's, I'll do mine. Here's a lesson. Tim needs to have a more prominent role in the podcast. That's just (laughs) something that over time... (laughs) <laughs> I'm not can, even looking at it. We can Rick. edit that one I'm out. I'm not that would be even fun. looking at uh, Lesson number one, Rick, for me. Our biases are for real. Hmm. Like, we have biases. A- every single person does. A good friend of mine, Dr. Ed Uzinski, uh, was at Bowling Green doing his PhD in cultural studies. And you know what his topic was? His topic was how LeBron James coming to Cleveland Cavaliers was a form of social support and when Cleveland was in really hard economic times you could at least come home from work where you saw your wages decrease taxes go up and sit down with your favorite beverage and watch LeBron James with the Cleveland Cavaliers it's it's social capital well he gives it to me to read okay Rick (laughs) I just for the listeners I'm from Michigan 
We do not like Ohio. There's only one state Detroit gets to make fun of, and it's Ohio. Ohio. Especially Cleveland, and probably. Especially <laughs> Cleveland. And we do, I do not like LeBron. So this was a double whammy. He huh. hands me this, and I, I have to fight myself to accept all the good. I mean, he did a history of Cleveland, Rick was mind-blowing, like stuff I never knew about how uh, Cleveland was a, po- a powerful influence not only in the United States but worldwide, and things he shared about LeBron. But the entire time, Rick, I'm having to fight myself to read it. Yeah. And so we're coming out with, uh, and we'll talk more about this. We're actually going to have some participants. Uh, the uh, Christian Scholars Review is one of the finest Christian periodicals in the world, and Rick and I were asked to be guest editors on a special theme issue on civility. So that's going to be coming out. uh, I think it comes out in the summer. So we're going to actually have some of the participants who wrote great essays for it here at Biola University. And one of them wrote a great article where they identified something called My Side Bias. And My Side Bias is exactly me reading that dissertation about Cleveland. I am very quick to accept evidence that supports my position, and I am really quick to dismiss counter evidence. Uh, So in other words, my threshold for what counts as really good evidence is much, much lower for things that support my position. And I put maybe even an impossible standard on any kind of evidence that would detract from what my convictions are, and my biases really do protect me. Now, in our book, Winsome Conviction, we do a whole chapter on groupthink, which is you surround yourselves with people who hate Cleveland, and you just talk about it, laugh about it, uh, and after a while, you would never think within that group of ever saying something positive about Cleveland. You know what I mean? Because you know it would be laughed at, and if you were really serious, then it questions your standing within the group, fidelity to the group. So I think we really need to understand our biases, and many of us, myself included, we're just completely blind to our biases. So reading that article and My Side Bias um, really made me think, how, how do we counteract this? Like, how do I become aware of my biases and then counteract it? Any thoughts? Well, no, let me <laughs> just empathize with that. I have... Um, just because of the political environment that we're in, um, I find myself having pretty profound internal mm. discourse while I'm talking with people who who view things differently. I, you know, we talk about polarization as if it's a problem that's out there mm. and other people face. And we have had so many conversations with people about these kinds of issues over the past couple of years that I've become way more reflective about my own tendency in terms of polarization, kind of mental gutters into which my mind drifts in terms of responses that come out. And as you say, the bias thing is real. And I'm like, yes, the bias thing is real for me. Mm-hmm. I, I feel it viscerally. And there's certain positions that I am really not interested in hearing the other side to Mm -hmm. because I feel like I have made up my mind. And by the way, since my mind is right on this issue, it really isn't going to help me think better. And I imagine there's people who are listening right now who actually feel that pretty deeply and say, yeah, that's not only a good point, Rick, that's right. 
and the one thing I would like to say, I guess, is as pushback on that. I think there are times when you just clearly do see something that is right in that someone else is doing something wrong. I mean, I think, I mm. think there's there there's enough evil in the world to be able to identify those situations. The problem is we get in the habit of playing that card, mm. Mm. and we think the key indication of absolute right and wrong is the depth at which you feel an issue. And I'm like, yeah, my personal sentiments are actually more conditioned by other things than simply objectively the rightness or wrongness of a particular position. So that's, you know, that I, I'm kind of just picking up on the yeah. theme and adding my own side to that. Let me just run with that, though, with a, a thought on my end. Or do you have something oh, else you want to So I, yeah, I want to get your opinion on this. Okay. Because, again, we, we have not shared this with each other. Now, certainly this is not a new topic for us talking, but... I'm kind of springing it on Rick during the podcast. So I wrote down three ideas of how to address it. And this is off the top of my head, yeah. so you tell me what you think. Number one, and this is a phrase we like to use at the Winsome Conviction Project, adopt a little intellectual humility in the fact that, you know, I don't know everything. I am kind of biased. I realize that. And so I do like the news programs I like. I like the authors I like. And I find myself going to the same places on the internet to kind of sometimes affirm my thinking. So intellectual humility is kind of to recognize a little bit that there's some smart people on the other side, and it would be good to give them my ear to listen to what they have to say. Second, kind of fits right with the first, is expand myself to the other side, expose myself. So we like a website called allsides.com that they put together what they think is the left middle center. And so when you go to that website and you read about immigration, prison reform, gun control, you get the perspective. Now they pick it, they're picking who they think represents the left, right, and center. But Rick, it's fascinating like on gun control to read left, right, and then somebody who's down the middle. And sometimes I, I'll confess, I'll be reading an article of what I thought I would disagree with going, now, I'm surprisingly agreeing with this person more than I thought. That, to yeah. me, is, is not a bad exercise, I think, to engage in. And the third one is we did this in grad school. Uh, they had us sit down and write out our biases. We actually had a piece oh. of paper, and they said, as you're about to do this academic article, frame yourself. So here's what the framing would sound like for me. I'm a committed evangelical Christian. I have certain religious beliefs that are the most important beliefs. I tend to be right-leaning. Um, my parents always voted X. Uh, I'm married to a woman who votes Y. Um, I have a job that I really like, and there's certain beliefs that would not make it tenable <laughs> for me to be at Biola University, or it would just make it awkward. I wouldn't necessarily be let go, but people would be raising eyebrows. To write that out and actually look at it, to me, was really helpful to say, ooh, I could see how a person would look at me and say I'm pretty biased in one direction. So it's just good to see it on paper. So that's an interesting exercise because it's kind of like really looking at yourself in the mirror as opposed to just glancing to see if your hair is sticking out. Now, in Tim's case, that's not, a, <laughs> that's not really a thing because he doesn't have any hair. But like for me, though gray, I still have hair that can stick out sideways. And it's good to actually look in the mirror 
beyond enough to simply notice if you have something bizarre going on, but to stop and say, wait a minute, what's really going on in here? I guess that's one of the things that has hit me in some of the conversations is I feel sentiment rising within me. I realize, wow, Rick, you have a pretty strong current going there. The thing I haven't done with that is what you just described, actually sit down and write it out, to, to do a spend a day journaling and going, these are my biases. These are the things that push my buttons. Uh, yeah, that's a good thought. I'd like you not to have any more of those because that's a yeah, little yeah. convicting. First, you have great hair. <laughs> I don't care if it's gray. I would still take it. Second, uh, Rick, I just thought of something. What if you wrote yours out, I wrote mine out, and then we handed them to each other, read them, and like you say to me, okay, I, I really appreciate this, uh, your transparency, your introspection. Brother, you left, you left one out. <laughs> I'd be like, what do you mean I left one out? Oh, Tim, I've known you for so 15 that's an interesting... years. Dude, when it yeah. comes to this, right, wouldn't that be interesting? Oh, that, that's a great thought. This is an interesting thing because it, to say, it's one thing to say, let me do a little self-reflection. Uh, self-reflection usually is a bit safe because <laughs> rarely do you find some raging yeah. monster against your will, so to speak. Yeah. While a friend who knows you well and has you know, worked with you or whatever for a lengthy period of time might have a couple of keen insights that you never bumped into. And at some point you have to decide, how much do I really want to discover about my own soul? So I was at a family life marriage conference, and there's another speaker who gave a horrible idea, Rick. Don't ever go do this <laughs> idea. He was speaking to the dads, and he says, I want you to go home, ask your kids, is there anything, if you could, you'd change about dad? So Rick, like an idiot, I go home, and I say to my three kids, I got three boys, I said, okay, what would you change, if anything, what would you change about dad? Rick, the words were not out of my mouth, and three hands <laughs> shot up in the air. And I was like, wait, do you need time to think about it, pray about it? Nope, got mine. And then they shared it, and I got defensive. Like, yeah. I immediately got defensive. Like, what? But, was one of them about being defensive? Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? That was an interesting yeah. – like, like, if you were to say to me, okay, Tim, as a dad, what do you need to work on? I would You'd say, come up with certain uh, yeah. things, but but Rick, they picked one. I'll be honest, I, I would I would not have picked, and to have all three confirm it, I yeah. grounded them all. I did. <laughs> I grounded them. No, but <laughs> good to see you manage your own household well. I like that. <laughs> but that's an interesting thing to write out your biases yeah. and then have somebody look at it. Yeah. Oh, so it. this is yeah. So we talk a lot about in, intellectual humility. Um, it's interesting to think about what would it look like to really kind of lean into that and say, okay, let me be reflective about this. And I think part of that is actually being willing to acknowledge a bias because we know biases just mean you have then confirmation bias. Mm. Any piece of information that corresponds with your bias has a lower threshold, just like you were describing about the my side bias that you were talking about. That's the thing we know. And at some point they say, okay, that should make me cautious. That should make me think twice about things that I might only think about once otherwise and you know who we need to have so we had on greg dr greg tenelsoff yeah. he's a colleague of ours he, he i think to this date is the only three uh, episode guest we've ever had on his wonderful new book called for shame but long before that he wrote a book called i told me so which is all about self-deception self it won a christianity today book of the year award hey let's have him on and talk about his book on on deception because I think that would be really good with my side yeah. bias. So we'll okay, make a note yeah. of that. Yeah. So let me throw in one here that is a bit related to this. Um, 
One of the things that I think I've really learned is the value of having people um, exchange stories rather than exchange conclusions. Mm. Um, in other words, here's what I've concluded about um, abortion or about immigration or whatever the policy might be. We tend to we tend to have our discussions about the conclusion. You have the wrong conclusion. All of this, and the one thing we never hear is the backstory. How did you arrive at that conclusion? And so I've I have done this, and I think I've probably done this on this podcast. Describe some of my own backstory relative to immigration and mm. the fact that my dad was an immigrant and things like that. And so you realize, oh, so Rick has all that. And you might call those my biases, but I'm saying what's really interesting is actually hear my story. Because let's don't turn me into a lab rat that you're, you're doing a bias analysis of. Turn me into just a person whose story you want to hear. And once you've heard it, you'll realize, oh... So that's some of what's going on with him. And you'll probably respond to me in a different way than if I just dropped a conclusion on you about, you know, what we think should happen with immigration or some other thing like that. The other thing that's interesting about exchanging stories is that when it comes to your conviction itself, we tend to think of the conviction as a thing that kind of is the final. It's like a conclusion. It's like Mm. the, the last thing. But it really isn't. Convictions have a story, too. So we talk about uh, uh, the, the conviction spectrum, so to speak. And the, it begins on kind of the far, uh, mentally picture going from left to right. So on the far left side would be absolutes that all Christians would share. These are like confessional beliefs, the, the Apostles' Creed kind of things that define the Christian faith. And if a person denies one of those, you have a pretty good basis for saying, well, I wonder if they're really a Christian because they've just denied the deity of Christ or whatever the issue might, might be. Similarly, we have moral mandates, and I'm thinking here in the Ten Commandments kind of vein or things like that that aren't super controversial, but clearly taught in Scripture, and just these areas of, you know, not murdering and not stealing and not committing adultery and things of this nature that you're like, well, okay, those things are pretty well set. They're clearly taught in Scripture, and we're assuming, and in fact, like the Westminster Shorter uh, catechism includes the Ten Commandments as part of that, that, that you're thinking, yeah, these are core beliefs. So these are things that you assume Christians share. But then one day you get all the way down to these, the details you fight over don't look like that, but they look like, should there be a mask mandate? Mm. And you know immediately that there's no verse in the Bible that talks about the necessity of wearing a mask mm. for, um, you know, treating COVID for heaven's sakes, or avoiding spreading COVID. So you have to unpack it. And that's not to say there's no biblical thought that you could give to mask wearing. And so some people say, hey, that's a good way to love your enemy. Another say that's a good way to limit human freedom and and people's ability to choose. It it dehumanizes people when you turn them into a mask wearing object. It's like the only thing you care about is the disease. Well, Mm. okay, tell me the story of how you reach that conclusion. So your, your conclusions have a story that are often really helpful to unpack. Now, I do this with my students a lot in class. I teach a class called Money, Sex, and Power, and mm. there's a lot of controversial issues we talk about. And they always have convictions about these things. And then to say, okay, but where does that come from? And it's really hard for people to give convictions about a lot of these things, ranging from things that are kind of what you might call normal. People shouldn't have premarital sex or people shouldn't commit. Adultery is handy because you do have a Ten Commandment associated Mm -hmm. with it. You know, that's kind of clear. But when you begin to think about things like not so much should should gay marriage be 
should Christians practice gay marriage, but even to just say, should the society that you're in have uh, you know, that kind of a marriage practice? Um, where you're going, look, it's a pluralistic society, isn't a Christian so what should we do about that? It isn't that there's no biblical point to make. The point is it isn't transparent, so it needs the story, in effect, to unpack. So that whole issue of just approaching things by exchanging stories along the backstory, not just playing whack-a-mole over a conviction. Oh, that's so good. So I'm teaching a family communication class right now, and part of it is, and it's a 400-level class, so I'm asking a lot of these students, but they're analyzing disagreements or tensions they have with their parents. And so that's kind of what the paper is. But part of it, Rick, is doing an interview with your parents. Oh. Saying, can you bring me up to speed on like the life of the marriage, the life of the family, background information that helps them understand the context of the disagreement. And it is a life-changing uh, assignment that students often comment because, Rick, there's something affirming about me asking for your story. Like, I really right. do want to hear it. The, the background, I'm interested in you and want to know the background of this. That's brilliant. And I think we need to invite more conversations like that where, where I know what you believe, but tell me how you got there. Show me the math of how you got there. And, and for goodness sakes, appreciate the fact that a person's telling you and inviting you into their story. Maria Lugones calls this world traveling. That I actually travel into your world and see how you have constructed the world, including me within your world. I think that's a great uh, lesson. Well, we've, we're just halfway through the lessons that we have been uh, learning through successes and failures. But thank you so much for listening. I think we're going to pick this up in the next podcast. There's more lessons we have. So check us out. Uh, you can find us anywhere you find your favorite um, podcasts. You can go to winsomeconviction.com, and we just have a clearinghouse of information. You can find all of our podcasts. You can find articles we've written, blogs, uh, events. So please go check that out. And as always, thank you for listening to our podcast.